Hello and welcome to the Mineral Rights Podcast. I'm your host, Matt Sands, and I'm here to help you make the most of your mineral rights and royalties. And my co-host, Justin Williams, joins me as always. Hey, Justin, how are you doing today? Doing good, Matt. How are you? I'm doing well, thanks. And uh, now we're going to talk about an interesting subject, and that's related to this whole energy transition, which we've been talking about a lot lately, and specifically the demand for lithium to manufacture lithium ion batteries. You know, as we have this drive to move over to electric vehicles, transition away from internal combustion engines, this is going to be an even more important resource for everybody. You said it, Matt. And, you know, this is an interesting point in this cycle where it, we'll end up seeing who in the world is really going to dominate this. And it's going to come down to who has access to the resources and who is able to produce those resources and raw goods to be able to produce the batteries. Yeah. And that is the huge elephant in the room here. You know, we have this ideal target of transitioning to a net carbon zero um, economy by 2050, according to the U.S. government, the current administration, that's their stated goal. And so on one hand, we need to move away from fossil fuels. And on the other hand, you know, moving to a green energy economy or, you know, moving over to renewables doesn't come with, you know, without its share of issues, you know. So these resources that are required to manufacture batteries, to manufacture, you know, electric cable, all of that, you know, that requires raw materials that need to be mined. And so you're trading one, on one hand, the fossil fuel extraction for, on the other hand, hard rock mining and, you know, mining for these other uh, minerals. And so that's the, the big issue. And I think one of the things we wanted to talk about, there's a particular article about this deposit that's found in the US. It's potentially the most, the largest deposit in terms of the concentration of lithium in the world. And so it's a huge opportunity, but US regulations and state regulations are blocking it. And it's being driven by this not in my backyard mentality. So I thought it was pretty ironic. And we'll kind of dive into that here in a second. But Dustin, you want to talk about some of the numbers about you know, what exactly is happening in the lithium markets right now? Absolutely. And like we're talking about, the demand is just huge. But let's put some numbers to it. So the better grade lithium carbonate EXW China price closed at $41,925 per ton at year end. And that's an increase of 485.8% year over year. And against the backdrop of soaring prices, the cost of lithium extraction from hard rock ores and brines also rose with that, Matt. And, you know, I think that number attests to um, how much more of it we need as we grow this demand for electric vehicles and the green movement. Absolutely. Yeah. And, you know, the other number I think that's really staggering, if you look at the lithium hydroxide prices to have gone up sitting right around $77,000 per ton, and that's in US dollars. And that is up just from a year ago, you're talking almost a five-fold increase as well. And so, you know, we're, we're really in this position where you have demand going through the roof. We don't have supply increasing at the same level. And we have regulations that are blocking the growth of supply to meet the demand. And so that's really the, the main issue here. Absolutely. And, you know, something I thought that was really interesting, Matt, is the U.S. has 
extensive reserves, but we produce less than 2% of the world's annual supply and much of it from one single mine in Nevada. Most of the world's lithium extraction occurs in other places throughout the world. And to kind of run through the list here of the top world leaders in lithium, we've got Brazil at number seven, Portugal at six, Zimbabwe, Argentina, China, Chile, and Australia at number one. So Matt, we've got a long ways to go on getting the U.S. in a place that we can be secure in producing lithium and to keep the price of this resource down so we can push forward. Yeah, and that's really the key thing. You know, when you think about where we're sourcing these minerals, it's important to think about, you know, are these countries friendly to the US? You know, if we're trying to onshore a lot of the manufacturing capabilities for these renewable technologies, it really means that we ought to have the full life cycle and the full supply chain also as part of that here you know at least some of that based in the US you know certainly we can um import some of those raw materials as as we need but you know i think we need to be on that top 5 of the list it was really interesting justin you know that US isn't even on that top 7 and obviously australia chile probably pretty favorable and and you know allies to the united states um, you get further down the list, though, these countries are maybe not quite as as friendly. Certainly China, there could be some potential issues there. You know, Zimbabwe, also, there's some geopolitical issues of actually being able to, to get at the lithium, you know, if there's political unrest and that kind of thing. Portugal is probably fine, but it's also it's six on the list and produces less than a 20th of Chile and Australia. And then Brazil, which is also potentially a geopolitical issues there. So, you know, there's some uncertainty around the supply, and that does you no good if you, if you build the manufacturing capability here in the U.S., but then you have issues getting the raw materials needed to produce those lithium batteries. So that's the big issue here. And, you know, I know the U.S. has identified that this is an issue, and the current administration is attempting to change that. Do you want to talk about what they're doing now? Absolutely. Yeah. So it is something that they're talking about. And in March, President Biden's energy secretary, Jennifer Granholm, announced 30 million in grants aimed at increasing domestic supply of critical materials, including lithium. So it is something that they're aware of. And one of the quotes here that Jennifer Granholm said is, America's in a race against economic competitors like China to own the EV market. And the supply chains for critical materials like lithium and cobalt will determine whether we win or lose. If we want to achieve a 100% carbon-free economy by 2050, we have to create our own supply of these materials, including alternatives here at home in America. And Matt, you know, something that stands out to me about that is it's good to at least hear that we are not in a mindset that we're going to import all of this, but that we are realizing how important that infrastructure here at home is. Absolutely. And, you know, to that point, the richest known hard rock lithium deposit in the world was discovered a couple of years ago in Maine. And this is near Plumbago Mountain in Newry. And this is really close to Sunday River, which is, I guess, apparently a pretty amazing area from the scenery. There's a ski area there. And so certainly there's some natural resources that demand protection. But on the other hand, you know, this hard rock mine, which is unique, I think, in, in some of the characteristics, which we'll talk about. But it was interesting, Justin, to hear that this discovery occurred just a couple of years after the Maine Senate unanimously voted to ban open pit mining. And this particular deposit would be, would require open pit mining. And so they have basically outlawed 
this particular form of mining in order to meet these green energy needs. And so it's kind of an ironic situation, I think, that we find ourselves in. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. And, you know, I think a conversation that's not being had in this is getting to a place where we're doing this in a way that we're having minimal impact on the environment. I mean, you know, like you said, they're obviously wanting to protect this area, but what are we going to do from that point forward? And it seems like they've really limited the options available. And the article kind of mentions that they were hoping that the state would see it as mining granite and that kind of process, but it turns out that that was not the case. Yeah. And I guess the real issue, if you look at the details, there's a really excellent article in Maine Public Radio, which we'll link to, that really outlines all the considerations around this particular mine. But you know, typically when you have a hard rock mine and you're doing open pit mining, there is the need to have some additional surface disturbance to deal with the tailings and the water and the runoff because it is toxic. And so there's a history in Maine and other states for that matter, of these mines not being properly closed and there being pollution and they become super fun sites. And so I can certainly understand how residents, and certainly if you're near this proposed mine location, you'd want to make sure that all of the environmental protections are, are followed and that you don't pollute the environment. And so certainly that can be done. The thing that's really interesting about this particular mine is that it is exposed to the air. And so these other ores that are sulfide ores that require, you know, these chemicals to extract and it's toxic and all of that aren't required for this mine. So it's something where they could, it'd be like a quarry, like you said, Justin, they could mine the ore, load it into trucks, take it off site, and then process it. And certainly that is probably going to be economic because of the, the concentration of lithium is so high. It's in fact, the richest deposit that they've ever found. And so this is something that's, I think, possible to meet the intent of what the the main Senate wanted to protect, but then also allow this mine to move forward and for us to have a huge deposit of lithium that could be mined to meet our needs here in the U.S. You nailed him at it. And it's interesting that you know this is not the only place in the United States that we really have these lithium deposits, but the infrastructure or the the regulations just really aren't there currently to be able to push that forward. And I think in many of these places, Matt, and I don't, is there an exception to that, that there is, you know, states right now that are friendly, like we see with oil and gas towards lithium and open pit mining? Yeah, I mean, certainly the open pit mining is occurring elsewhere. You know, I know even in Colorado, there are some open pit mines, I believe the Climax molybdenum mine near Leadville. There, there's definitely an open pit element to it. You can look and see the the mountainside that's got the terraced parts of where they've actually extracted the ore. And so, you know, you think about this, this happens elsewhere. You know, I think that Maine, this is probably the extreme. It's kind of one of these, the irony is really kind of, kind of interesting because you have such a progressive, you know, environmentally progressive state like Maine who bans open pit mining and has been very outspoken in end of the energy transition and wanting to promote wind and solar and on the other hand, if they're going to achieve that, they actually would need to, you know, get this mine going and, and actually have a source for the lithium that's going to be required to store energy from wind and solar and to run electric vehicles. And so it's it's one of those situations where, you know, environmentalists want to have their cake and eat it too, which is just not possible when we talk about, you know, energy in general. There's trade-offs for every form of energy. And like we talked about in our ESG episode you know, you have to think about all of those elements, the environmental, the governments, and the social. In this case, 
you know, the focus is, is heavily on the environmental, which always seems to get most of the focus. And we're perfectly fine, you know, importing cobalt from the Congo where they have art, artisanal mines where children mine this stuff. We want to have solar panels manufactured in China where the Uyghur Muslims are enslaved and, and working in these forced labor camps. And we're turning a blind eye to that. Whereas, you know, if we were going to do this in the US, we could do it cleaner than anywhere else. And certainly if we want to promote that energy transition that seems to be in focus right now, you know, you, you need to think about how, what are the trade-offs, right? How are you going to promote development and of, of the natural resources here in the U.S. and do it in an environmentally sustainable way? Otherwise, you're going to be just, you know, out of sight, out of mind, and you're just worse off for the environment overall by doing this in a country that doesn't have the protections for labor, doesn't have the environmental protections and, and all of that. You nailed it, Matt. And you know, one thing I, th I thought was interesting in this main public article here that we've got, it says in four years since the law's passage, only one company, Wolfton Resources Corporation of Canada, has attempted to go through the process. Earlier this month, they withdrew their application for a zoning change required to begin the Department of Environmental Protection permitting process after state commissioners moved to deny the application. It goes on to say that Wolfton does plan to resubmit that application and have a consultant more familiar with Maine's regulations. But I think that kind of speaks to it's limiting the competition as well. And, you know, we have to make it feasible for these companies to go in and do this because it's these companies are certainly not limited to the United States. They can go look at mining in other places throughout the world. They're certainly not limited to here. Yeah, it's certainly not limited to here. And they're not going to have those re restrictions. You know, the government wants the development of those resources because it means they get they get money because they own the the minerals. And so it's kind of a unique situation. I think, you know, the other scenarios, if in these, I think the landowners that discovered this, you know, are pretty patient here. You know, at some point you wonder- so as well. You know, yeah. I mean, you think, what, when do they start talking about a takings claim? You know, because this is similar to an oil and gas, gas deposit where they ban fracking. Like in New York, for example, they ban hydraulic fracturing. They don't allow you to drill in complete wells that would be economic. And certainly there's plenty of natural gas deposits and the demand is there. It's just the politics have been preventing development of minerals in, in New York. And, you know, similarly in, in Maine with this lithium deposit, at what point do the Freemans, who are the property owners, do they sue the state and say, this is a taking, this goes against the constitution and, you know, there needs to be compensation for you basically blocking us to be able to use these minerals that are here that are you know, that are proven to be one of the richest deposits in the world. Absolutely, Matt. It's a really interesting position that we're in. And, and I have absolutely no doubt that it will work itself out. The market will require to work itself out, especially if we continue heading towards the EV. But we were talking before the show, the question I think, or will, time will tell whether there's going to be this big pendulum that swings and impacts the way that we're viewing mining for lithium, much like has happened with oil in the past when it comes to wars. The political winds could certainly change. And, you know, I think we're putting ourselves in a place to where it could be very difficult to quickly make a way to get those resources that we need, but certainly something that could happen. Yeah. It's, and, you know, obviously not a hundred percent can't be produced here. It's going to have to be, you know, all these deposits that are economic to develop it. Like you said, the free market needs to drive the development of these resources. And ultimately it would go to where it's most economic 
to develop it. In this case, it sounds like this main deposit is highly economic. It's the richest deposit in the world. So it could make up a significant percentage. Now, the other area that is likely to still be the, the primary supply of lithium is South America. And there's an area called the Lithium Triangle, and that's the salt flats of Chile, Argentina, and Bolivia. And they're estimated to contain more than three quarters of the world's supply. And so they are likely to be the big focus in which from a United States standpoint, you know, it's in the Americas. So that's good for us. You know, we, we have, I think, a lot of influence in Chile, Argentina, and Bolivia and good relationships in general with those countries. And so we could form partnerships and have a good steady source of supply. But, you know, interestingly, there's a quote in this article too from a professor of economics and business at the Colorado School of Mines, Ian Lang. We are altering the environment, he said. If we just don't let the U.S. mine any of these things, then we're going to buy them from these places that don't have the same labor and environmental safeguards the U.S. does, you know, just like we just mentioned. So I think that's the real issue is if we're really serious about protecting the environment, it's not just the air, right? It's the, the water and it's not just in our state or in our backyard, it's globally, right? So that, you know, theoretically, if you're really interested in the environment, if this is not just a political and economic move to promote certain companies that maybe you have a vested interest in, right? So if these politicians that are in charge here in the US and other countries, if they're not just benefiting somehow from green energy, well, if they're really interested in, in protecting the environment, then we ought to look at how do we develop these resources here, you know, in the most environmentally uh, friendly way, you know, so that's the path forward if we're really serious about this, because at the end of the day, the real issue is that we don't have enough lithium to meet these lofty climate goals. So one of the really interesting and staggering statistics, Justin, was from the International Energy Agency, and they said by 2030, supply from existing mines and projects under construction will produce only half the amount of lithium and cobalt necessary to meet international needs. So we need to more than double our supply. And so things like this main deposit ought to be front and center and and a huge opportunity here in the U.S. Absolutely. And and with reviewing that opportunity, there's absolutely no reason to look at not look at this through a lens of how can we do this while preserving our natural resources. Because I think the oil and gas industry has has taught us that it's not without accidents, it's not without learning opportunities, but it's certainly something that here in the US we're committed to doing it in the best way possible. Absolutely. Yeah, and it's really ironic this particular bill to protect clean water and from mining pollution where they banned open pit mining was backed by an environmental group called the Natural Resources Council of Maine. And you know, it's interesting because you look at their website, some of the biggest focus areas that they have are climate change and global warming pollution and clean and renewable energy. Well, those are the two top items under their climate and clean energy program. If they're really serious about that, then instead of blocking open pit mining, you know, they need to be working with the state to come up with, you know, regulations that protect the environment while still enabling uh, development to occur. And, you know, it's just a matter of virtue signaling. I think at the end of the day, that's the issue is that we think that we're all going to just drive EVs magically. You know, they're just going to magically appear all the raw materials that go into the batteries and all that stuff is is there and and we totally ignore the fact that most of these EVs are being powered by coal solar panels you know require a significant amount of coal in the manufacturing process so ultimately 
you know, if you're banning oil and gas, you're just promoting coal, which is arguably dirtier. And, uh, you know, so there's a significant amount of irony here, I think. Uh, you nailed it, Matt. And John Slack is a geologist mentioned in this main public article here. And there was a wonderful quote at the very end of the article that I thought was fabulous. And it's many very educated people who are environmentally conscious don't want mining anywhere, said Slack. And yet they fully support in many cases enthusiastically renewable energy. You can't have your cake and eat it too. And I think that's a very simple way of putting it. I think that's a good place to close this one out. You know, I think that's the theme here is you can't have your cake and eat it too. You know, we need all forms of energy. Like we always say, you know, obviously I'm not against wind and solar. I think we need that. We need a certain amount of EVs if it makes sense for your personal situation. But, you know, forcing that on people, mandating it is not the right way. You need the free market to come up with the solution that meets the needs and that makes the most sense. And I think that oil and gas needs to play a significant role in that. You know, mining for lithium here in the U.S., mining for cobalt here in the U.S. can all be done in an environmentally conscious manner, minimizing the impact on the environment, maximizing the, the social and governance benefits that we seem to be interested in the financial community. So, you know, I think that's the big takeaway here, Justin. You know, let's not block these things. Let's look at how do we work together to get this developed so that we can stand up all of these mining, natural resources, and manufacturing for all forms of energy here in the U.S. You nailed it, absolutely. And and the free market will shake this out. So it'll be interesting to see how this changes and how this gets modified as time goes on. I agree. And you know, hopefully they are able to appeal this ruling that occurred in July of this year, where they decided that this particular deposit should be viewed as a metallic mineral mine and not a quarry operation. Hopefully some appeal can occur and we can knock some sense into the main Department of Environmental Protection to sensibly treat this, you know, because reality is it's closer to a quarry, which is actually, I think, existing on this land. And so why not just expand that footprint of that quarry to extract the lithium process at offsite? Kind of a win-win, I think, in that case. But more to come. Like you said, Justin, it'll be interesting to see how this plays out. And then, you know, also another states, it'll be interesting to see if there are other deposits that are found that states are more friendly to natural resource extraction, that they will take advantage of this opportunity. And, you know, because there's a huge economic boost for, you know, mines like this, you know, you have employment, you know, in these areas that are potentially depressed economically, it could be a big benefit to the local communities for sure. Absolutely, Matt. Couldn't agree more. All right. Well, that wraps up this episode. Thanks again for listening. All the resources we mentioned will be can be found in the show notes at mineralrightspodcast.com. Until next time. Thanks, Justin. Thanks, Matt.